Hello, Guardians. Welcome to Tower Casuals, the Destiny podcast here on Boss Rush Games. I am your host, Corey Derrigan. Alongside me, as always, is our lore archivist himself, Mr. Josh Finney. How's it going? Hey, Corey. I'm I'm good, man. I'm catching up on the, the, the sweet lore that dropped today. I'm uh, it's it's been a busy couple weeks. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop planning shows because every time that I start planning one and I, I get a nice lore corner done, we get something that's just thrown with us out of a fastball. I think for the next couple weeks we're gonna be playing it pretty fast and loose here. Yeah. Yeah, we are thirty. At the time of this recording, we are thirty-three days away from Beyond Light. Thirty-three long days until Beyond Light. I got to tell you, man. The more, the more and more I look at things that are happening, and like when I got my Stranger statue, and I was flipping through some of the lore books, and I'm looking at the art book, I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm back in. I'm back. I'm sucked. Like. A thousand percent back sucked into Destiny might be the only game I play for like the next <laughs> six months. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm really scared of getting to that point again. Um, like all what always happens. Yeah, uh, I am trying. I'm I'm taking a, like most people I think are trying not to get burned out. Right, like taking a little bit of a break until Beyond Light comes out. Uh, yeah, but I know that you're going to be trying to pack as much Beyond Light in as you can because. I know you're anxious for cyberpunk uh, and yeah, yeah <laughs> I, honestly, like I was relieved when they delayed cyberpunk originally from September. I was like, Oh, thank God. This is going to make it so much easier on me. I could take my time with beyond light. The end of the season is when this will be dropping. And then they bump beyond light back to like eight days before. And I was like, God damn it. Yeah. I just, there is nothing, nothing good can come of this right now. As far as I'm concerned. Um, so Beyond Light and Cyberpunk will both have my attention. Sorry, everything else coming out this fall. Um, I'm desperately trying to blow my way through Star Wars Squadrons right now. And anything else that might come out in October. I don't know if there is anything else that I'm planning on playing. But I still have a backlog I'm trying to get through before Series X, which is also in 33 days. Yeah, I mean, I was I was trying to do a bunch of... Like, I was looking... <laughs> It sucks because, like, I mean, this the Series X and PlayStation Five are obviously coming out also, and I know a lot of people are really looking forward to playing Beyond Light on those consoles. And I'm I'm mm-hmm. s- stressing out. I'm trying to figure out the fastest way to get Destiny to Beyond Light on that console. Do I straight download it? I don't think so because I feel like everybody's going to be downloading it at the same time. Uh. I will probably download it on my one X to the mm-hmm. external drive mm-hmm. and then plug that external drive into the series X when I'm done. Cause right. You can do that, right? It, yeah, you can do that. And it does have smart delivery. So you can copy it to that external and then you can subsequently copy and paste that onto your, uh, now is it going to Xbox series X if, but it like if the Xbox one version is on the external drive and I transfer it over, will it just, it'll, it will it update. Yes, it's smart smart delivery. So it'll automatically detect that you're playing on the Series X, and it'll give you the Series X optimized version. Yeah. Okay. That's the whole philosophy behind them doing smart delivery. Yeah. yeah. That game, I think, is going to be a really good test for it uh, mm-hmm. to see how well it's actually going to work. 
Because a lot of the other games, like, there's at least a disc or something if you buy physically or if you buy digitally. Like, it's going to pretty easily recognize it. This is technically a free-to-play game, and it's a Game Pass title on top of that. Mm-hmm. So There's going to be a, a lot of people downloading this on Xbox. Uh, this, I, I guarantee you, the engagement numbers are going to go sky high. Yeah. Not just the Series X owners, but in general, like when Beyond Light drops, because I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, I haven't played in a couple of years. I'm going to dip my toes back in out at Forsaken and Shadowkeeper both on there. And I'm like, oh, damn, like this is actually a really good I'm... game now. It's like, yeah, and it's it's, gonna, it's about to get a whole lot worse. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, I wonder how people are going to react to Beyond Light if they haven't been keeping up with what's been happening the last couple of years, especially people who like maybe dipped out either after, after, you know, launch or after forsaken, you know, maybe didn't play a lot of beyond light, maybe skipped a few seasons. Like what are the, what are the, those, yeah, how I are they going to catch people up? If you didn't, I think if you didn't play shadow keep, then that's where you're going to have a bit of an issue. Yeah. Um, I think everything else you're actually like kind of okay. Like forsaken. It's like, Oh, well, we saw the death of Cade and we killed Aldrin and he may or may not come back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but shadow keep was, I mean, if for nothing else, the pyramid reveal, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the nature of the darkness and things like that. So they are working on a way to ease people in. So I, I mean, I guess we should just dive straight into the TWAB because they kind of address a little bit of this and that. The TWAB. Early TWAB, twab today. Early TWAB for this episode. Was it an early TWAB? I feel like it came out a little no, I late. Mean, I, was, I mean for the oh. episode. Like we're, oh, yeah, we're yeah, jumping yeah, in episode, like definitely. three minutes in instead of an hour in, you know. Yeah, there's just there's there's two big things in the TWAB today. Uh, there's a revamp of the armor mod system, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Um, because we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk new light. We're gonna talk new light changes. We're gonna talk the exotic weapons trailer, and then we're gonna come back to the squad for the armor mods. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of give each of those their own moment in the sun. They are, are all part of the squad. Uh, so new light is going to be reworked. You no longer will go straight to the tower after finishing the first mission in the Cosmodrome. There's going to be an entire quest line in the Cosmodrome now for new players. Ooh. Um, so they say, uh, currently, players are given a single mission to become acquainted with basic gameplay and then lose in the tower without any direction on where to go or what to do next. This has led to confusion as many players didn't exactly know where to start. What's that robot doing cleaning an auto rifle? What do I do with all these Ingrams? And what's a Zavala? What's a Zavala? Uh, I so still say, don't know uh, what a Zavala is. It's just the blue guy. It's the blue titan that gives you Starting on missions. November 10th. <laughs> Starting November 10th, players will start in the same way most of us all have. A ghost will be on the hunt for their guardian. They'll stumble upon you and they'll revive you. What's different now is that you won't immediately find a ship. Rather, you'll stumble into another guardian in the wild. Shah Han is his name, and he's on a mission with his fire team to investigate what the Hive are up to in the Cosmodrome. He'll show you the ropes and help you find your way among the gameplay and systems of Destiny 2. You'll spend the first few missions getting acquainted with the state of the world in D2. You'll have the opportunity to take a few weapons out for a spin, find Ingrams to try some different armor, and see the progression systems, have time to learn how to navigate the user interface to understand quests, bounties, collections, and more. All of this will happen before you set foot in the tower for the first time, and our hope is that this refreshed, new light experience will give a much warmer welcome to Guardians when they play for the first time. Um, That's cool. A little bit more. Yeah, let's go. Let's go ahead and talk about this first. Yeah, it's uh, I I, I'm actually quite intrigued to I I will probably delete one of my characters and play through this just to see what it's like. Right. Because like, let's be honest, I only play as my Titan. My Warlock is like three missions in and my Hunter is like, 
I got my ship and went to the tower, and that was that was it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really right interested now, to New see. Right now, is a tedious experience. Yeah, it's awful, man. I like I turned. I got it's bad. I got I like I loaded up my warlock because I wanted to try. I just wanted to because like the warlock powers look really cool in yeah in uh, Beyond Light, and I'm like, well, I want to try out my warlock. I want to get my warlock legs back under me, and like I couldn't even go play like. I couldn't even do certain things because I hadn't met all the right people and I haven't hadn't completed right. the crucible quest line or whatever. I'm like, what is this garbage? Get me out of here. Yeah, I I wanted I booted up my warlock to do some extra bounties for Mayhem Week once, and I had to go do a crucible match. I had to come back, pick up the first couple bounties, go back into another match, then come back to the tower to get bounty to get real bounties in my weeklies, and it was just it's a tedious, annoying thing. It's not even that it's hard. It's just the console load times make it almost impossible right now mm-hmm. to do without getting super frustrated or super angry. Um, so he, here's the other explanation of what we get. Following up from our Cosmodrome conversation with Nerd Generalist last week. Uh, with the Cosmodrome coming out of the DCV, it gave us the perfect opportunity to overhaul the player experience. For veteran players out there, this will be a stroll through memory lane. The Plaguelands are strictly quarantined per Vanguard orders. You'll still be able to explore much of what you remember from your first days as a Guardian. Running through the Moth Yards to collect spin metal, heading down the stairs of the steps to face off against powerful Hive Knights, and more. There will be occasional moments of discovery, like stumbling upon a lost sector you haven't seen before. If you're an existing player and would like to go through the new light quest, it will be available to you on November 10th. So I'm wondering if this means that it'll be accessible for us to pick up as veteran players. That's the way I'm interpreting this, mm-hmm. yeah, um, which would make me really happy. I'd just like to go through it as my hunter, honestly, like a, mm-hmm. a day or two. I might run through it on my Warlock or my Titan just so I can talk about it on that first episode after. Especially because but... like it seems like they're introduced like it's. They're introducing a new, almost like a new story element, kind of thing. Uh, they like, are. I mean, it's a it's a brand new character that you're. Yeah, who, yeah, that's what so. I'm saying. Like, who's this Shahan guy? Like, is he gonna? Shahan play it? is brand. New. Uh, maybe he ends up being. Watch Shahan end up being like Aldrin's guardian name or something. I, I mean, you don't see his face. I could totally see that happening, right? You know? Yeah, because I mean, they don't even show us him. the The image that we have there, like right above him, I don't think that's him. I think that's just a generic guardian. If that is him, cool. Like that's actually really dope. He's wearing an exotic, but it's, uh, he's it's no. a hunter. Like I mean, it's clearly a hunter, right? Yeah. So I feel like you. I feel like it has to be a hunter character, though. Um, yeah. There's none that are really walking around as NPCs right now. Yeah. They're dead. The one everybody loves. Uh, no, I, I think this, I think it's really good. Um, the, the Beyond Light or New Light is really confusing right now, and with so many more players coming in on Game Pass, like so many of us on the on the subreddit and in a Twitter and Discord groups have just been like, do that first mission and then go pick up all the campaigns. Just play the campaign straight through. That's the number one thing you should be doing. And yeah. if you're listening to this, you have Game Pass and you have not played the vanilla campaign of Destiny Two. I highly recommend you play the Red War. Yeah. I actually really a lot of it mm-hmm. some of the missions are definitely filler mm-hmm. but uh a lot of them too are like like the filler missions too are like set up this you know patrol point or whatever and then you have to yeah. do the patrol like that i mean that's i get it it's showing you the mecha- like the base mechanics of the mm-hmm. game but like 
still if you've played through it once or twice the the missions that are actually good though are really good like rescuing Cade from the vex machines on Mm -hmm. uh on nessus uh fighting through the tower in homecoming fighting through uh the streets of the city in the final mission yeah uh like escaping the city uh when all you have is travelers chosen with you yeah those are all really cool missions i think uh hell storming the almighty that's a really cool mission Mm-hmm. Um, I think things like that are really cool and really special. Just some of it sucks and is boring. Yeah, uh, I would. I would really like to play through those missions again with. A I, I want to. Yeah, I want to before they go away. I want to play those couple of missions. Yeah, uh, just because, like, I mean, if they're not going to come back, any, I mean, I'm sure they'll come back at yeah. some point. But like, if they're not coming back like anytime have. soon, you know. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's it's fun. I, I think Gaul was like a really cool character that they kind of mm-hmm. ended up fizzling out at the end, honestly. But uh, also, I, I realize. Cool. Oh, I I also realize it's more of like a this is the Darth Vader and uh, you know what's his face is is the Emperor type thing. If you're going to compare it to Star Wars, I feel like almost right. Uh, so. I like I, I like Gaul, and I definitely agree. He needed to be fleshed out a bit more. I think he would have it would have worked better if we had an Oryx style situation where you beat him in the campaign, so there's resolution for those who will never get to do the raids. Mm-hmm. But in the raid, you take him down for good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would have been really intriguing. Like instead of us fighting Callus, and then maybe at the end, Callus reveals himself, or like his robot shows up to help us in the fight against Gaul, and that's how we find out he's a robot or something. I don't know. Like there's. I feel like there's some cooler things you could have done there and some better story elements, but yeah, I really hope that the new light experience overall is better. I'm really curious to see how they kind of end that quest line now. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely want to play through this, not more than I want to play beyond light, but I do want to get to this within a few days of it dropping. Because theoretically wouldn't this lead in because for forsaken's not going away. Yeah. For forsaken's not going. This is supposed to be an introductory quest just to the universe and the state of the world. They say. Okay. So that to me says that forsaken, because I I don't think they're going to revamp new light every year. Yeah. To me, this means that this is how we're planning to introduce new players who don't already know the universe or know the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, get you up to speed, like ah, Cade Six is dead. Blah blah blah. Here's why this is important. Here's what happened during the Red War. Things like that. Yeah. Um. Or, you know, oh, guard, guardian, they need they need you in the reef. Cade's requested backup or something, and then you get there yeah. and you see die. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I was just gonna. I wondered if this. I just wondered if this quest line like ended in a way where it leads kind of into Forsaken instead of you know. Uh, it could. I, I have no. I genuinely just have no idea. I yeah. think they want to. I don't think they want to give it any sort of ties to an expansion just to leave it open-ended in case you decide, oh, I don't need to buy the expansions. I just want to hang out in the world or buy a season here or there. Yeah. Um, I mean, that so. obviously that <laughs> that's uh, a lot and a lot easier decision if you have Game Pass. You can just jump into any of the expansions. But uh, Right. Yeah. And that'll soon be on Xbox and on PC. I so. still can't believe that this, is, this whole game is on Game Pass. Like, everything. It's ridiculous. Ugh. It's disgusting. You know how, you know how, like... You know how much content that is? It's I mean, it's even, a lot, man. Even if this you're just someone to... even if you're oh, just someone who is playing by themselves or like with one other friend, right? And you just play through the <clears> campaigns <throat> to have a good time. Like that's still like 
what, probably 25-ish hours of content, at least? Easily. Easily. That's if you're not touching Crucible or Gambit or anything. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It would be like putting not just the base version of ESO on Game Pass, which it is. It would be like giving you Morrowind and Elsewhere. Uh, Morrowind is on Game Pass. Okay, okay. I stand corrected then. Uh, I just saw, I just saw, because I was slipping through Game Pass the other day because I wanted to get, see what else. Because Forza was added, uh, yeah, and I, I was like, oh man, Forza Seven, Game Pass, instant download. I'm gonna play it at some point, hopefully. Uh, but I was just scrolling through Brutal Legends on there now. Like, I'm very excited for Brutal Legend. Yeah, I'm like, man, this Fine. is. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot they own Double Fine, so Brutal Legend yeah. is clearly gonna be on here. So. I think that means that uh, Day of the Tentacle, uh, Full Throttle, and Grim Fandango are probably coming to Game Pass. Yeah, I think also. I think they are because I think in an interview with uh, what's his face, the guy that runs the studio, Tim Schafer. Tim Schafer, thank you. Uh, Ryan McCaffrey from IGN asked him if those games would be coming to Game Pass. He said, "Yeah," just like nonchalantly. Okay. So. They'll be they'll be there too, which I'm excited. Yeah, I know, for. I know that's the plan is to get their back catalogs. We've seen uh, we've seen in Exile do it. We I think we've seen some other Ninja Theory stuff go on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, um, you know, like on there. Uh, Obsidian has added older titles, uh, and of course the Bethesda back catalog is going to join it as well. So yeah, no brainer move. But uh, Corey, yeah, this wasn't the only news that we got this week. No, we also got some goodies uh, released in a. We're going to come back to the Twab. We're going to circle back to mm-hmm. Twabness. Twab. But uh, we got a new exotic gear trailer this week. I mean, uh, yeah, we got teased on Tuesday and then it officially got released on Wednesday, I believe, mm-hmm. um, or got teased on Monday and then released on Tuesday. Something. Either way, it got released this week. Yeah, uh, we got a peek at four exotic weapons and I believe six pieces of exotic armor. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to fly through these real quickly here. Uh, the first weapon that we have is no time to explain the exotic pulse rifle. Can't uh, wait. Returning from Destiny 1. Brand new perks, brand new weapon this time, though. It might as well be just a brand new gun. Um, I love this. It's a, st- it's a stasis gun, uh, which is really important to note. It's the first stasis exotic that we're getting. Precision hits and hits against enemies affected by stasis will return to the magazine. Stack the effect to summon a portal, which will fire bullets from an alternate timeline of the weapon. It basically summons a stasis arc buddy for you. Um, awesome. So I awesome. love this. That that's one of my favorite uh, favorite things that warlocks can run is when you get arc buddies, especially in raids or in uh, just insane PvP matches. I'm very excited to see this gun worked into arsenals, especially mine. Um, I love a good pulse rifle, especially Outbreak. I'm really excited to see how this develops in arsenals. Um, Something I do want to note about No Time to Explain, though. The only way you can get No Time to Explain, and it is said in really tiny print on this, is if you buy Beyond Light with the first season of Beyond Light, Mm -hmm. if you buy the Digital Deluxe, or if you buy the Collector's Edition, during season 12 all players with beyond light will be able to acquire it after season 12 so if you want it basically you have to pre-order it mm-hmm. you have to pre-order well, it I did, with so. <laughs> season pass or with the season so yeah um, which will get you uh and i'll also get you a ornament for an exclusive ornament for the gun it'll get you the stranger sparrow it looks like um 
It'll get you the catalyst for no time to explain, a special ghost, a dynamic emblem, and a freeze tag emote. Mm-hmm. So, uh, pretty pretty excited for this gun though. The, this all four of these weapons have me pumped. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I I think. I mean, no time, the, dude. That sword, the sword has like. Well, let's get to the sword next. Yeah. Well, let's go to the sword next. Okay. So what we're talking the the lament. Uh, A mortal blade, a stalwart shield, block with the lament to rev the blade, then shred through shielded enemies. At its peak, damaging an enemy will heal the wielder. In the trailer, we see a guardian heavy attack with this thing, and it shatters a champion shield. It shatters a barrier champion. Yeah. That's huge. Dude. That's massive. I love it. It has... It has a chainsaw on the end of it, or like a like a moving blade on the end of it. I love how completely absurd this thing is. I'm like somebody somebody played Gears of War at some point and was like, "Well, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Let's put that on our sword." That's that's a really cool. It's a really cool sword. I like it. Um, I'm excited to see some of the builds that are built around that. As a guy who likes running support classes, yeah. uh, I'm very curious to see how that works in the Master Nightfalls. I definitely think that that is going to replace. Uh, I think the only other exotic you can really do that with is Ariana's Vow. And I don't know a single person who enjoys running that in Master Nightfalls. Uh, the exotic grenade launcher. This is one of the wackiest designs I think we've seen in the game. Like all, all of these are great designs. Mm-hmm. The lament is very, you know, like you said, it's a chainsaw blade, basically. Salvation's grip looks like something out of the Alien series. Um, each for each fire projectile will create stasis crystals that will freeze nearby targets charge to increase the amount of crystals created and the freeze radius. It basically is going to work like a, uh, like a stasis scorch cannon is what I'm gathering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, dude, it looks so it. cool. It looks so it cool. Looks, it looks so awesome. Uh, but my personal favorite of all of these, it's probably the one I'll use the least in all frankness, the cloud strike. I call it the Thor. I call it Thor's sniper rifle. Uh, precision final blows will generate lightning bolts at the target location, while rapid precision hits will summon an entire storm at the point of impact. It's I cool. love this. It looks cool. I love this so much. It's a rapid fire sniper. I'm excited to see this used in the Crucible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. specifically in momentum control it's going to be insanely aggravating but this is what we've been saying for so long is keep the cool exotics coming y'all nailed it this season with wither horde and um ruinous, uh, ruinous effigy. Effigy. yeah oh, so you, you guys nailed it we we got deathbringer this year we got xenophage we got divinity of course like we've gotten some really dope weapons yeah we have these are ones that haven't really gotten cool exotics in quite a while these are classifications that haven't had a cool one in a hot minute or two yeah i mean plus um, i mean including these right like Hawkmoon's coming back right they said like Hawkmoon Hawkmoon's coming back yeah these these are just the four that they've shown us now like Hawkmoon is coming back this coming season um i'd wage Hawkmoon very well maybe a quest one at this point mm-hmm. um, oh yeah and i would wager that so we know no time to explain is being given to us if we pre-order the game basically yeah one of these i do genuinely wonder um i think it's going to end up being the sniper if it's any of these mm-hmm. or maybe Hawkmoon will be given to you as the season pass exotic oh really i was gonna i was gonna say i that... mean no time to explain very well could be 
be that one in all frankness, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I was um, gonna. I was actually thinking the sniper would, would be the wording. I wonder if the sniper will be attached to like the raid, be the raid one. I, I'm very curious to see what the raid one is going to end up being. I, I think the raid one will end up being a stasis weapon of some kind. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think it'll be the grenade launcher. I could see it being a stasis, um, what do you call it? Um, trace rifle. rifle. Trace rifle? Yeah. I could see it being a trace rifle. Uh, these armor pieces, though, Corey. Yeah. They're neat. We're going to start with... We're going to start with the Titan ones. The Titan Gauntlets, the Icefall Mantle. Reinforced armor that replaces Barricade with Overshield. Uh, this is going to be spammed in the Crucible from day one. Mm-hmm. As soon as people start getting this. Yeah. That is simply all that's going to be used. Uh, I do think that's a really cool exotic, though. The, these are things we've been asking for is help us change up our abilities a little bit. Uh, Whoops. Don't lock us into one thing always. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, I went to I went oh, to look at these exotics and like uh, <laughs> some music from a trailer was started playing. I was like, "Whoops!" The Titan one that I like the most, though, um, and of course this comes from playing a support class. But I think this is going to basically be trials the trials the exotic. Uh, it's called Precious Scars, and it's exo- it's an exotic helmet. Uh, upon revives, the Titan grants an overshield aura that protects the wearer and nearby allies. Um, I think this will be used a lot in trials and in raids. Frankly, mm-hmm. um, I can see this getting paired with uh, with Bubble and Well quite often. Yeah, uh, I think it's a really cool. Uh, looking piece though it looks like it's kind of cobbled together from broken armor pieces or something yeah uh, really like that one the hunter helmet is the mask of Bacchus. uh this looks the cool it looks like somebody ripped off like a it looks like the, one, a mask from like borderlands that they melted and yep. just put it on their face this looks incredible. This is a, I'm I'm going to use this one a lot. Uh, replaces the dodge ability with a longer range shift ability that also temporarily cloaks the wearer during use. This is basically blink, mm-hmm. blink with invisibility. I I love this with certain classes. Um, I can see this being used a lot in conjunction with spectral blades. Yeah. Uh, like use your shift and when you jump forward then you activate your blades like right on top of somebody or your arc staff or something I think that could be a really really deadly combo I look forward to running this one in trials personally yeah uh, the other hunter exotic that they showed us of course are gauntlets um, it seems like they're showing us a gauntlet and a helmet from each class yeah uh, Arthurus's embrace uh, hunter's weighted knife gains a second ricochet Rapid precision hits grant a damage bonus and can temporarily stagger enemies. Um, so I do wonder if this is going to be able to be used against unstoppable champions. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like that. But I mean, just some of the some of the shots that we saw in the trailer of this. Uh, so they threw it at a wall. It bounced off two walls and then hit somebody right in the head. Um, this is going to be the scourge of the crucible if people can use it correctly. Um, I expect the sweatiest of sweats to be using this one. Yeah, this, it looks pretty sweet. Uh, I can't really see casuals using it unless they just are uncannily good with a throwing knife already. Yeah. Um, so I, I will 100% be playing with this. This will get me to take off shards of Galanor. Yeah, it's uh, this ability looks pretty sweaty. <laughs> uh, the Warlock Helm, 
the Dawn Chorus, the Warlock's Daybreak Projectile. Is it on fire? Uh, I think that's just fire behind it because it's representing that it's a fire class. Okay. Um, deals uh, Daybreak will deal extra damage and cause enemies to burn on contact. Gain melee energy each time a burn damages a target. This this is this something that is running. It's going to be used a lot in the Crucible, and this is desperately Bungie's attempt to make Daybreak uh, useful in high-end PvE content. Uh, to be clear, I do think there is a place for this. I, But I'm very interested in why you would choose to introduce a helmet that does this and not actually buff the ability itself, like with other supers. Um, so I wonder if they'll end up and, doing that at some point down the road and just kind of like i mean you know how in destiny one like when they would like they had exotics that served specific purposes and then they just ended up boosting or you know changing some of the abilities and it just made that exotic just you know like it just totally removed the ability to even wear that exotic it's worth noting we don't know what sandbox changes are coming for supers yet in beyond light um so i i'm curious to see how this will work with some of those. Um, the final one, the Necrotic Grip. Uh, melee attacks corrupt enemies with increasing damage over time. Defeating a corrupted combatant spreads corruption to nearby targets and restores melee energy. This is going to be great for mobs. We see it used in the trailer on a whole group of dregs and vandals, and yeah. they're all just dropping. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's basically a poison. Yeah, uh, Forbes describes it as thorn at your fingertips. Yeah, that, that's essentially what it is. Uh, I'm really, really down for this. I like it a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it looks super cool. I, I love. I just love the green glow around it. Like, it, it just looks cool. This this yeah. is by far, like, aesthetically, this is this is the best-looking exotic they introduced so far, I think, for me, in terms of armor. I know the other um, stuff. the other stuff looks cool, but, like... <laughs> everybody knows destiny is a game about dress up i like i like the clean kind of sharp look you know i i like that i i like it but man it's hard to argue with that hunter helmet yeah no i i get like the abilities i, I really and stuff. like that i like that it's a it's basically a gas mask with a psycho face on it yeah uh mm-hmm. i i love it i yeah. love it but yeah, every single one of these exotics, both the weapons and the armor pieces, you can make legitimately entire builds around those already. And I think that's the most exciting part of some of the exotics we've had introduced. Like all three introduced this season, you can legit make builds around. You can't say that about some of these others like Devil's Ruin or Bastion or anything like that. Like, Sure, you can make a PvP build based around Bastion, but... Ultimately, that's just close range combat. Like these, you can alter entire play styles with each of these. I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Definitely. Yeah, it that it, it all looks cool. They do include a teaser image below there of some of the armor, uh, exotics, and weapons that you will be earning in Beyond Light uh, right off the bat. And yeah, uh, I think that's. I think that's all we've got here for the exotic weapons. I really like um, the I like just to go back to the weapons for a second. Like I yeah. I really like they made slight changes to no time to explain just the way it looks. And mm-hmm. uh I I really like the way it looks in this in this version. Uh It's got like a I love it. I, yeah, it's got this really cool camo look to it and it's got those uh gold rings around the the barrel which 
Mm-hmm. To be fair, they were there in, in Destiny 1, but they changed the look slightly, and it just it just looks really good. Uh, but that sword, man. That sword just looks so cool. The sword. Yeah, I, I'm so excited. For, for every one of these, I'm super stoked. I look forward to using each one of these, which I don't normally say leading into an expansion, but I like all these exotic weapons. Yeah, yeah. So it's the first time um, I've been excited to try out all of them. Even the sniper is yeah. someone who doesn't s- snipe at all. Like I'm excited just to see what they do. So, I mean, it goes back to, um, it goes back to what they were saying though. Like when they left Activision, they said they really want to break. They want to make things that will, you know, look like, look like they potentially will break the game. Right. And, and right. make it more fun to play. And I, they are, this is, they're doing that. Yeah, I man, I am so so excited to see some of these in action, especially that sniper. I can't wait to see the wacky clips made from that. Yeah, you just know it's going to come almost right away. Um, let's bounce back to the twab though. Back to the twab. Uh, the back half of the twab this week talks about armor mods and how that's going to change going forward uh, in November. Um, so it, it, this is kind of an extended patch note. Uh, I read this for the first time just before we went live, so I'm still kind of processing this. So I'm going to explain it. We can talk about it, etc. Uh, so the first thing that they tackle here, energy type requirements, all weapon oriented armor mods, i.e. hand cannon loader, fusion rifle, ammo finder, etc. have been changed to any energy type. So for example, you no longer have to have solar void or arc specific armor to equip certain ones um which really opens up what they promised last year which was play how you want yeah um as a result of this above change all arc charged with light mods now activate their second perk if you have any other arc mod equipped on the same armor piece or if you have any other arc charged with light mods socketed into any other armor piece you are wearing uh, removing the energy type from requirements from f- weapon focused mods has been a consistent piece of community feedback since Armor 2.0 launched. However, doing so meant that every mod socket would be displaying three times as many mods at a time, which would become cumbersome. Um, enhanced mod rebalancing. All mods that have an enhanced version of that mod, i.e., enhanced hand cannon loader, have had the base mods effici- efficiency increased to match that of the enhanced version of the mod as a result enhanced mods have been deprecated and base mods energy costs have been adjusted upwards slightly but still lower than the current enhanced mods some mods have been moved to different slots to create more competition for mod sockets across armor pieces for example fast ready mods have been moved to the arms section so you'll now have to choose between do you want uh quick draw like a quick draw for your weapon or do you want uh, fast reloads? Uh, so I think that that introduces a needed change right there to make it more competitive to how you're going to spend your slots, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, commentary. We, uh, we consistently see feedback that players often don't start feeling the impact of mods until they have an enhanced mod or two non-enhanced mods socketed. So to resolve both issues, we decided to raise the floor on the effectiveness of all mods to the point where players were more likely to feel their impact and to deprecate the two tiers of mods. 
This should also make having two different mods in the same category, such as hand cannon loader and shotgun loader, socketed at the same time more appealing than it was previously, whereas players often needed to double stack the same mod to feel like they were getting any benefit. In essence, we're making enhanced mods cheaper and more accessible and deprecating the lesser mods. It's, that's um, smart because I, I that that's huge. Like I like to change those mods up. Yeah, like I I have found myself putting you know multiple mods in just to mm-hmm. you know make it feel like I mean exactly what they're saying. Like I feel like I had to put two mods in just to feel like I was feeling any benefit from it whatsoever. Uh, right. And the fact that like I can put like you know rifle or auto rifle uh, loader and shotgun loader in at the same time, like I would feel like that because that's how i play right auto rifles and shotguns mostly and i feel like that would be beneficial to the way that i play right and then eliminating further making it further easier eliminating the energy uh, affiliation requirement for that yeah i think part of it is they're getting rid of that with stasis coming and they're like we really don't want you to balance a fourth thing within those energies mm-hmm um, at least for loading and unloading and things like that. Uh, raid mod changes. Starting in Season 12, Last Wish, Garden of Salvation, and the upcoming Beyond Light raid armors will now drop with a fifth dedicated armor mod socket that is exclusively for the mods related to that raid. Last Wish and Garden of Salvation armor acquired prior to Season 12, so i.e. right now, will not have this dedicated armor socket, but will still be able to use mods related to that raid in the, in the new Legacy Armor mod socket. Uh, other changes include anti-taken mods from Last Wish will only function in the Last Wish raid. Hive anti-hive mods from the Leviathan raid will be deprecated. Anti-fallen raid mods from Scourge of the Past will be deprecated. Um, this is one I really feel like we need to read some of the developer commentary on uh, before we go too deep into this. Uh, decision to give ra- give raid armor a fifth mod socket dedicated solely to its raid mods should not only make the raid armors a more valuable reward, but should also compensate for the restriction on usage of these raid mods with the ability to use that armor to craft your build both in and out of the raid, which is a major uh, point of contention right now. Uh, regarding the deprecation of anti-hive and anti-fallen mods and the restriction of the anti-taken mods to last wish, this is something we've eyed for a while. We consistently get feedback that faction-specific mods are highly unbalanced outside of the content they were intended to work in, in this case the raids which are being moved into the DCV. Because these are useful with any instance of a combatant race, activity designers and sandbox designers were constantly having to be aware of how these mods would impact the play of those activities. They have proven to be problematic in Gambit, creating a clear divide between the haves and the have nots and have significantly reduced the challenge of dungeons which is true uh i personally when i was under leveled threw on uh i had taken barrier and i think taken spec i think i had both of those thrown on uh and it did make my life a hell of a lot easier in there um with raids that provide the source for these mods going into DCV, we have the opportunity to gracefully remove these mods and their long-reaching consequences. Last Witch, which was designed and balanced with its anti-taken mods in mind, will remain a part of the game and continue to reward players with its mods. However, to prevent those far-reaching consequences mentioned above, we are aligning those mods with other raid mods and making them function only in the raid they drop from. We have had a resp- positive response to the more mechanic-focused mods from Garden of Salvation, and future raids will have mods more like those uh so Corey, i want to i want to get your thought on this before i go into a soliloquy uh i mean as some as someone who hasn't really had a lot of braiding the last 
you know, <laughs> year or so, just because I haven't really had time. Uh, I mean, I think it's, I think that I think for people who raid a lot, I feel like this is going to uh, really. Uh, I feel like it's it's really allowing players to focus on sets for these specific raids. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I don't. Man, I don't know. Man, I feel like. Hmm. I really don't really know what to say about this. I feel like that making. I feel like this is like the one thing that doesn't allow players to play how they want in a raid. Because what if you find like a something that would work? In, like if you find uh, some sort of mod in Garden of Salvation that you feel like might work in this new raid for some reason. So I, I think that's part of what they're getting at is how they've done the raids in Garden of Salvation is those mods only work within that because they specifically correspond to the functions of that raid. Yeah. Such it's... as you develop an overshield when you pick up the moats to deposit them into the depositories. Right. Uh, you... It's similar to it's similar to like X. what the raid armor was doing like to go back to Destiny 1 like if you wore the raid yes, armor you it, had a signif- very you had a significantly yeah. easier time running the raid with yes. that armor because it gave you boosts in certain things right like yes. I I get what they're doing uh I just wish like maybe you just tie it to the raid armor instead of making these mod slots you know what I mean So I I I do agree with you in a way but I do like the freedom that the mod slots allow for because, like they said, they're, it's useful armor outside of the raids. Whereas I feel like with the Destiny 1 armor, if you'd had this mod system, you really wouldn't have been able to use that armor outside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's very much the model of play how you want, look how you want. But if you're going to do this high, high-end activity, you got to kind of do it our way. The drop rates on the Fallen hive and taken mods are so abysmal as it is um like people were asking for buffs to those because they're like oh if these things are going to go away can we can we get them buffs so we can use them in future activities and uh i was actually i was running scourge of the past trying to get the secret chest so that i could get some of these fallen mods also i did finally get i finally got fallen barrier and i'm so i'm so upset now like mm-hmm. in one respect, because I'm, I was like, oh yes, this is gonna be amazing. I'm gonna use this in the Deepstone Crypt raid. I'm gonna use this in the campaign, and no dice. Yeah, uh, I am okay with that. It does make it a little bit more of a level playing field going forward, I think. Um, but I definitely get the frustration with those being taken out. I, I think the main people who are frustrated are people who want to raid day one, mm-hmm. um, raid or who raid constantly in this. Uh, I do think this is necessary for the balancing of the game. The Taken mods is where I go. Because I, I, the others I can agree with. Like, okay, people aren't going to have the opportunity to get these anymore. It's not like exotics, which are staying in the game. It's like you legit are going to lose access to some of the most valuable mods in the game. Yeah, Restricting the Taken mods to Last Wish is to where I don't know if I necessarily agree. But... I do understand the point of if we're already doing it with the other two, we might as well just do it with this one as well. Um, so ultimately, I guess I'm I'm pretty okay with this, just for the necess- necessity of balancing the game long term. 
I mean, they could always come back and say, hey, we made a mistake. If you've previously had these, congratulations, they're back in your inventory, and we're going to introduce ways to get them again yeah. if they decide that this is just a gigantic mess. Um, I mean, it's the same. It, it almost They could just go the route of infusion where, like, remember when they first introduced infusion, you could only infuse hand cannons into hand cannons or whatever, and then they were just like, yeah. Yeah, fuck it, you can just infuse anything into anything. I, I do think that that's part of where we're going with this. I wouldn't rule out seeing these return. And I mean, maybe this is a temporary thing until they bring these raids back. You know, it's always possible that this gets reintroduced at some point. But I do like the idea of, hey, there's some mods that are specifically just for that raid. And it's not going to count toward my interpretation is it's not going to count towards your your 10 energy that you can get on a piece of armor max. Yeah. Um they have that legacy slot. They have that raid slot. I think that that is a good move. Because uh, I do like the Garden of Salvation mods, I think, do actually genuinely affect how you do the raid. It does make it drastically easier if you had those. I, I've never done raids with anybody having the other stuff, though. I'm the only one who's ever had the Taken spec, and I'm the only one who has the Fallen, uh, who has uh, fallen Barrier now. Uh, I had some of the Hive ones, but... It's just, I don't know. I think it's a good long-term move for the franchise, ultimately. Mm -hmm. uh, and our last section, the one I'm most excited for right here, combat mods. All armor released in Beyond Light in Season 12. All Last Wish. All Garden of Salvation armor acquired starting in Season 12. And all armor 2.0 exotic armor pieces, including those already possessed by players, will have a combat-style mod socket. In Season 12, this socket will accept all Charged with Light and Warmind Cell mods. All Armor 2.0 armor acquired during Seasons 8-11 through 11 have had their seasonal mod sockets, sockets replaced with a single unified Legacy mod socket that can socket all Charged with Light, all Warmind Cell, all Nightmare Hunt, all Garden of Salvation, and all Last Wish mods. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God this happened. I was asking for this months ago. I asked for it a few, again a few weeks ago. This has been a recurring thing I have been harping on all year long is stop blocking mods behind seasons. Um, it is punishing the players who maybe had to take a season off. Um, they have done a good job at bringing some of those mods back into the rotation, selling them through Banshee. But this, this allows for so much more freedom in how you make your mods and how you make your builds. I love running a charge with light build, but if I need to run an exotic, that screws me because I've found myself sacrificing an exotic sometimes in order to run the best build possible. And I should never have to make that choice. Yeah. I don't think anyone should have to make that choice. Right. I love this. This combined with the changes detailed earlier with like the loaders and the, uh, the enhanced perks incredible this is essentially armor 3.0 in my eyes is what we got today yeah yeah it's cool i'm i'm glad they're not because like when when we had johnny on you guys were t talking about he has season specific builds but like once yeah. that season's over you got to figure out what a new build is right and like well, i think that this encourages experimentation knowing that this isn't going to go away right away right um that you know like war mine cells those were cool builds but we literally never saw anybody else ever use those because they didn't understand how to use them. Yeah. 
Um, thankfully, we're seeing a lot more running charts with Light now, personally because the season is so freaking long, but because it's also a returning mechanic that we've already seen, and now everyone's like, oh, okay, now I get it. Like Now they're more explicitly laid out for us. I don't have to sacrifice my builds now. I can keep running my charts with Light build into next year. I love this. I love it. Yeah. I love it too. It looks cool. I'm I'm excited to like kind of experiment with stuff now. Uh, absolutely, and I, I think it's really good. They're encouraging that, and they're really leaning into the RPG aspect of the game with this. I feel yeah, and not feel like like, like the re- half the reason why I don't experiment now is because like I'm like well, it's gonna go away in a couple weeks or a, a couple months or whatever, and <laughs> I don't have the time to sit here and like really master this build. So I'm just gonna go right. shoot some stuff, and like I'm not I don't even bother now. This kind of is like well. I can play a specific build for six months if I wanted to and not worry about, Oh, the season's changing. So got to change my build or something, you know? I mean, I know there's going to be nerfs and, and buffs to certain things, but theoretically this could be like, Oh, I can find the perfect way to play and not have to worry about changing it in two or three months. Right. So, right. Uh, the only, so I think that closes out the twab for us. They say they'll address weapons later on, uh, in the month. And there is a quick note at the bottom. Uh, some things that will be removed at the very end of the season, if you have not completed them, they will be removed on November 9th. The Prophecy Dungeon, which will return in a later season, they have promised it returning before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So I expect this probably being dropped around Christmas time. Yeah. Uh, the quests for Ruinous Effigy and the quest for Traveler's Chosen will be taken out of your inventory as well. I really, really recommend you do both of those quests. And they're not, I think they're they're not really... that difficult. The Traveler's Chosen one no, took, really like, Mitch and I did it in one night, and I think it took us, like, two and a half, three yeah. hours max, right? Uh, it, it's, it's a great nostalgia tour of the planets that are going away, yeah. which is what it's intended to be. Yeah, it's got it's got a lot of cool lore attached to it, too, and, and like, mm. actually making you kind of, like, oh... Yeah, I remember when I met Sloan when I, you know, went to Titan for the first time and was like, oh, I don't really care about you, but you, your armor looks cool. But then, like, you start to really know these characters as you keep going back, obviously, and, like, do, doing their bounties and stuff. And I don't know. It was a cool quest. I really enjoyed it. It, it reminded me, not, not in the same way, but, like, a different way as the Galahorn quest from rise of from rise of iron was it, it just it was like mm-hmm. a nostalgia trip you went through kind of you kind of remembered why you kind of interacted with these people and and what they meant right. and like you know you're kind of saying goodbye spoilers i guess if you haven't done it but mm-hmm. uh you know it was it was it was good it, like i said it's only like two and a half three hours one night we did it uh, if you're good at the game you could probably do it faster than that but uh, yeah, I don't know. And Ruinous Effigy is like an amazing trace rifle. If you don't, if you don't have it, you should go get it. So, yeah, I'm man. I I'm so excited for some of these. Um, let's see. Uh, moving on, uh, Corey. I think it's time to move into an extended lore corner this week. Yeah, lore corner. Uh, it, it's going to be the, this first part of it's going to be kind of a mix of lore corner and uh, discussion of the interference quest line. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to actually pull up the the final uh, piece here on Ishtar Collective real quickly. Yeah, it's the uh, they're not coming. So I 
I have I have that. Uh, I want to pull up the the final piece for the interference. I guess is what I'm getting at. Okay. Um. Yeah, from the uh, from the interference quest lines. Um. Looking up lore for well, the lore corner, singing a song while Josh <laughs> catches up. Here we go. Here we go. I think I've got it. Uh, contact. Here we go. Here's the final one. I uh, just want to make sure there's nothing else in here. So, when we do the interference quest line, of course, you, you get one of three missions when you load into it, when you're in the cradle, and it always ends with you killing the Shrieker. Uh, this week was the final week. This is the first week you can complete the, fin- the 15th and final mission of interference. And if you skipped all of them, have no fear. You can actually jump in and do this one and just listen to Eris talk for like seven minutes afterwards and get everything associated with it, get your triumphs done, etc. Um, when you fight the Shrieker in this one, though, you get teleported to the Ascendant Realm and you hear the voice of Nocris again, but this time your ghost openly acknowledges, oh crap, like, oh crap, that's Nocris. That's Nocris talking. You are teleported to a different area that you've never been to before inside uh, Sabathun's court, as we've come to call it, the court of Sabathun. As you start walking along the pathway and you start jumping along, you get to a corridor that looks very similar to the hallway that led into the Court of Oryx event in The Taken King. The statues are all there. Uh, It is where you literally enter the raid, and it is where you did the Court of Oryx as well. Mm -hmm. You jump down, and it is very much, it is the exact same arena as the Court of Oryx, um, with a few floating rocks around there that you have to do a little bit of jumping to get to some of the uh, crystals you get to shatter. It's very much the Nocris fight from the strike combined with some Court of Oryx mechanics. Uh, you have Knights that'll spawn, you have Ogres that'll spawn, you have Wizards that'll spawn, just like they did there, um, and you have to destroy his crystals again. Um, it is... Man, it, it is a really, really cool mission. He, We, we hear Savathun referred to as the Taken Queen for the very first time, confirming she does have control over the Taken. She now has the power to take. Um, it ends, like, Nocris is beckoning us to join them, like, basically begging for us to come join them, and we respond by just murdering him, like, flat out just destroying this guy, ending his entire existence. Uh, it is confirmed that he is the one who, uh, who he is the thing that Interference is, refer- is referring to. He has been blocking our communication with the uh, with the Pyramids and with the Traveler, um, it is not just Sabathun. He has been a very big part of this as well. Um, and the final contact. So the, the final piece of lore that we get. Uh, this is this is Eris writing us. Um, and then we'll, we'll read this and then we're going to discuss the second part of this mission. There, there is a little bit after you beat Nocris. At last, another substantive message. The enemy's influence in our system may be be more extensive than we realize. You must look for signs of its effect. Errors or crashes in Vex constructs, eruptions of empowered or self-destructive hive sorcery, newly created scorn, revels and expeditions by the worshippers of the narcissist emperor. Our enemies are turning to the darkness, the Red Legion broken, the Almighty destroyed. The remaining Cabal will either join Callus's death cult or seek his daughter Khalidi. And the Fallen, we have driven them to the edge of survival. 
turned them against each other. How many will look to the whirlwind for an advantage over their rivals? By pushing them from the light, we have groomed more supplicants for the darkness. We're in an arms race. If we do not learn to use our greater enemy's power, our lesser enemy surely will. I confronted Inina about the strange ghost. It was not her, she protested. I asked her why she had been so generous to me, so eager to please. She confessed she had come on behalf of her fire team, guardians who are champions in the Drifter's strange games. They wish to learn the ways of the darkness itself, to descend into the underworld like ancient Inanna and return. They want what I have learned here. How easily they might be corrupted, and yet it thrills me to know I would not be alone in my work. I sent her away. I fear the Witch Queen's spies. The pineapple blossoms are still growing, but now I stare at the purple flowers in the black soil and I wonder about poison. Uh, so th this is, for anybody who doesn't know, this is this is straight up from uh, Eris, Eris's perspective. And here she's basically saying, she's paranoid. She's paranoid about Savathun spying. It's why she wants Shaxx to take down the Ahamkara skull, which we know she, she or somebody is using the spy on Zavala with. Mm -hmm. And maybe influencing Shaxx with. We, we went over this a few weeks ago with the Traveler's Chosen. Yeah, right. There's, there's a lot at play here, and we're, we're going to the, the second part of this, when it says all our enemies are gathering to the darkness. When you enter the portal, because uh, um, at the end of each interference mission, you walk through a portal and you're immediately taken to Eris. She sends a portal. She says, stay there. I am coming for you. A portal is summoned, or a portal is not summoned. You are suddenly taken away and you find yourself inside of a pyramid ship with ghosts possessed again. And you walk to the center of the room and there's a pyramid in the middle of the room kind of hovering and as you look around there's four races around the pyramid there's the fallen there's the hive there's the cabal and then there's the guardians the guardians and the fallen are directly across from one another curiously the vex are missing um and i feel like that's the vex don't have a stake in this i i almost wonder we're, we're gonna speculate here for a second i almost wonder if the vex will eventually be used as a weapon against the greater darkness. The Hive and the Taken are essentially of the darkness. Mm -hmm. The Cabal remains to be seen. We know that a faction of the Fallen will fall to the darkness with Aramis, uh, and the rest will be led by Mithrax. I, um, I wonder, because like the Vex always try to... I mean, they always try to... I wonder if they're going to try to use us to help them defeat the darkness because it's not part of their plan and they need to destroy all, all the things in their path that prevent them from doing what they want to do. Yeah, I'm curious. I don't know what they're going to do here. Uh, I I do think the Vex are going to take a bit of a backseat uh, in this expansion. Not Maybe not too much because there is a Pyramidian uh, on Europa. The Vex are there in pretty heavy numbers. Um, I suspect three enemy races will be there. It'll be the Vex, it'll be the Fallen, and probably the Taken as well. Um, but I do wonder if the Vex will be part of the ongoing storyline for this season, or mm -hmm. for, for this year, yeah. uh, leading into next year. Um, especially with the Vault coming back. Mm -hmm. um, I suspect that the Fallen may, or the Vex may have a bigger role to play than I'm currently giving them credit for. Mm -hmm. But while we're just, so we're discussing all this, Eris gets us out of there, confirms it was Nocturus, um, but the, says, you know, we've dealt a huge Wasapathun, but her reach is clearly farther in this system than we expected. Um, she's influencing a lot more than just the events on IO. Um, so we're going to go to the lore that was dropped today. Do you, titled, before, we, be, 
before okay, we, go before we get there, do you think Savathun? You think she's on the dreadnought now? Um, I would be shocked if she wasn't. I I think that that is just something that's easy to to do to bring back the dreadnought next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I, it's for the record. I do think that we're going to get one new zone and one reprised zone each year mm-hmm. uh, with each major expansion. And there, there's always the ability to unvault stuff in the middle of the year. I mean, that them saying that the vault and certain strikes are going to come back first half of next year sets a new precedent of anything can be unvaulted anytime they want it, mm-hmm. especially with these next gen consoles and with cloud delivery coming. Right. Um, but I, I would say it, it's a virtual guarantee that we're going to go back to the Dreadnought. The imagery is all there right now in this mission, and there's been constant references to uh, the uh, the strike where you fight the uh, the Dark Blade. Oh yeah, uh, in the Dark Cell. Yeah, there there's constant references to that one um, and to the to the Dreadnought in general. So yeah, yeah. I would say it has to come back. Yeah. Um, but the one post today, it says they're not coming. I, I love these extensive lore pieces they put up on the uh, on Bungie.net. Um, we're we're going to read through a lot of this because so much of this is really important. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not really that long either. No, it's it's not. We're, we're going to go ahead and read this, and then we're going to... We've both read it. We're going to read through this and discuss it together. Um, those words have, fi- have finality when said aloud. An indirect farewell. Zavala can't quite see Ikora's expression in the muted reflection from his office window, but he can hear the disappointment in her voice. Beyond the glass, the city seems agnostic to the tempest of emotions. Ships soar through the night sky. Lights glitter across the dark. The traver- traveler looms silently. I know, is Zavala's belated reply. He watches as Ikora's reflection reaches towards him, but he's still surprised when he feels the weight of her hand against his shoulder. I want to commend them for his bravery, he says, confiding in her. But I'd prefer they be here to berate them for their foolishness. Ikora wordlessly squeezes Zavala's shoulder in response before standing beside him at the window. I remember when you and I felt invincible, when our ghosts felt invincible, when we could lay the foundation for the future with our bare hands, but now it's different. The list of names to memorialize gets longer by the day, she says, watching debris slowly orbit the traveler. We've said goodbye to too many friends over the years. And who is left to join us now? Rasputin? To think I welcomed him in, Zavala says, turning his back to the window and the traveler, only to find that he betrayed the Iron Lords all those years ago. He looks across the data pads on his desk, jaw clenching. Are we that desperate that we're willing to accept mass murderers? He settles into his chair with a heavy sigh, lifting a hand to his forehead, eyes shut. Zavala. Ikora's voice is stern but tempered with concern as she follows him to his desk, her her fingers curled across her palms. Stronger together, remember? We aren't abandoning anyone now. The slight quaver in her voice belays her confidence. Most people wouldn't notice, but Zavala has known her for over a century. When their eyes meet, she sees an unvoiced burden on his face that would appear to anyone else as a merely stoic and unflinching expression. She sits on the corner of his desk, hands folded in her lap. You know they'd all be lost without you, she affirms. He doesn't answer, but she can tell he agrees. I would be lost without you. When Zavala starts to counter her argument, she continues over him, unrelenting. Out there, thousands of people look to us as a sign of hope. We need that. Everyone does. It feels like I'm lying to them. To everyone, Zavala interrupts. The darkness is here. We are facing the end of all things, and I... He closes his eyes. 
I feel helpless. Ikora shakes her head and gives Zavala's shoulder another squeeze. Maybe we are. It seems a poor thing to say at first, but she continues. Even so, helpless doesn't mean hopeless. We forget that sometimes. Instead of embracing our faith in moments like this, we often turn against it out of fear and doubt. When I found my faith diminished, I exiled myself to Io. I questioned everything, including the Traveler. She levels a knowing look at Zavala, who also recalls how that chapter of their lives ended. What has the Traveler ever done for us? Zavala exclaims. His words strain through gritted teeth as he slaps his palm against his desk. Akora gently lifts her hand from his shoulder and searches her old friend's face. She understands the pain behind his words and recognizes the wave of anger in his eyes as it recedes. She rises from the corner of his desk, walking back to the window. I'm sorry, Zavala mumbles after the fact. It's all right, Ikora replies, gazing up at the Traveler hanging weightlessly over the city, illuminated by its light. If nothing else, the Traveler did one thing by us. It takes a moment for Zavala to respond to her candor. And what was that, he asks, rising from his chair. Ikora watches Zavala's reflection in the glass, little more than a dim silhouette with glowing eyes. She smiles softly, and he can see a moment of peace and relief in her expression, a moment of faith and a moment of truth. It brought us together. Um, man, this is this is kind of the end of a year-long saga that we've had. Really, kind of the culmination of Zavala's entire Destiny 2 arc, I feel, in this one <clears throat> lore tab. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen Zavala wrestle with his faith in the Traveler for years now and his faith in their mission his determination to protect the city i do think zavala will be the one in the vanguard in the tower to embrace the darkness ultimately um because he he feels betrayed by the traveler and i mean rightfully so like plus i feel like like, i feel like he has his responsibility to protect humanity outweighs his faith in the traveler at this point exactly especially with like Especially with like the speaker gone, Cade's gone, you know, yeah. too many things are happening that are kind of out of his control, and I feel like that he he just wants like he wants to be humanity's hope, and he will do whatever it takes to protect them. Uh, yes, and even if it means you know embracing the darkness and and betraying the traveler at this point. I, I do genuinely wonder what Zavala's arc for this next year is going to be. And Ikora's as well. Ikora, in a way, she's been primed for a while to mm-hmm. take over as the next speaker. Um, which I do think that by the end of this, she will take over as speaker for the Traveler. I still think Zavala will be the Vanguard commander. Because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, you can embrace the darkness and still lead. I mean, there's... It takes a special guardian to be able to do that. Shin Malfer tells us that after we obtain the last word in Thorn, after we find out the truth about Shin and Dredgenuor and all that. And he says, you know, he feels that we are one of a handful of guardians that can walk that line between light and dark and exist in the in-between. But that if we ever go fully to the dark or we become corrupted, he won't hesitate to put us down. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that and like seeing Zavala's struggles, especially this season, his struggles of leadership with the Exodus lore, um, with Anna coming to the tower. And, you know, he now knows the truth about Rasputin. I wondered how he would find that out. Mm-hmm. And we find out he's not taking it well, but yeah. understandably so. Um, remember, Fel- Felwinter was an Exo. 
who wasn't who was the leader of the Iron Lords, and Rasputin was jealous that his son, that part of him, had gone and joined the Defenders of Humanity, and Rasputin unleashed Siva on them mm-hmm. with only Saladin escaping, and that's that's going to be something that's going to be rough when he comes to the tower. We we know that Rasputin is being brought to the tower in an exo body. And I do wonder the, how the encounter between him and Zavala and potentially Saladin will play out. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of implications in this. And I think it really sets up that at the core of beyond light is going to be a struggle between the ideals of Zavala, where he's willing to do whatever he has to do for humanity and Ikora, who is just steadfastly believes in the traveler and its mission mm-hmm. and what the traveler stands for. And that our guardian gets to make a choice eventually, you know, yeah. what do you, you believe? I wonder if this is where, I mean, not it's, I wonder if it's going to be similar to the faction war stuff where like, once we see their arcs kind of conclude and you maybe do, you do make that choice. Maybe you, have the fact like maybe you join Ikora's Traveler faction and you join Zavala's Humanity faction or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I feel like maybe this is yeah. where that comes back into play at some For point. For sure. Uh, I think the Drifter choice also, whether you side yeah. with the Drifter or not, I think that this might, after two years, it might finally be relevant. Yeah. Uh, so I am curious to see what happens with a lot of this, but I think more than anything, this is intriguing. This is really bridging the gap between this season and Beyond Light, because this is immediately post-Exodus. This is in the days leading into Beyond Light. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by now, scout teams have already been deployed out there. We're beckoned in the final interference mission to come to Europa and discover what's buried beneath the ice. The darkness literally begs us to come. It's like, come and discover the ancient power on Europa. Yeah. And basically asks us to wield it. Um, and it's very clear that the darkness is going to reveal itself to anybody it deems worthy of its power. Mm-hmm. Uh, be it Guardians, be it Fallen, uh, I guarantee you we'll see some Cabal that'll have it at some point in the mm-hmm. next year or two. Um, yeah. The Hive, I mean, the Hive to me, that's basically just taken. Um, so I do wonder how, how these are going to play out as consequences. Like the Traveler surely can't stay silent. Or is it like a lot of people have said, you know, is the traveler ultimately a false idol? Yeah. And I'm, I'm very curious to see the cat and mouse game come to a conclusion. Presumably in Lightfall is when that's going to happen. Right. I'm so, I'm so excited for these next three years. I want to see everybody's arc, you know, like I, I, yeah. I feel like we've gotten like, especially like the last couple years yeah we've had like forsaken was a a big story uh but i feel like we've gotten these little mini stories and now we're finally getting to a point where like we're seeing this big overarching story kind of come to a head Mm -hmm. and we're we're seeing the results of like i mean it's interesting to see zavala's like no pun intended but chinks in the armor right like he's he is the the city's symbol of hope, and he doesn't know if he can be that, right? Like he's struggling with that, and and really seeing him and Ikora, it's almost like a, it's almost like a a Professor X Magneto, uh, relationship where they're friends, but they both have two different ideals of how to go about sa- like saving humanity at this point, and I wonder if they're gonna have some big conflict soon, you know, like. You know what I mean? 
I mean, mm-hmm. maybe, I mean, not to the extent of like an X-Men type thing, but you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if their ideals are going to clash at some point. And uh, I mean, I think they have to, um, because I think Ikora is going to be one of those who is like, I can't believe you would, you of all people would ever embrace the darkness. Like she probably expects it from our guardian at this point. But I think that if she sees Zavala do it, one, that's going to shake her faith in the traveler yet again. And I think it's also going to make her wonder like, how far will my friend go? Like how far will Zavala actually go? Like we always know his, he said he would do anything for humanity, but would he even embrace the power of the pyramids? Yeah. Something he doesn't fully understand that the heiress and the drifter may very well be corrupted by. I mean, like, even, even if you're looking at the image attached to this lore story, right? Like, mm-hmm. a, as someone who, like, tries to d- dissect the, the visual image that goes along with things, you look at you look at Zavala, and he is shrouded in darkness in this photo. Yep. And Ikora is shrouded in, in light. He has those creepy glowing eyes there yeah. too, man. Yeah, like his his eyebrows are in an anger position. Like he's like, you can you can see like maybe he's ready to try to embrace the darkness. I think he's will he literally will try anything to save humanity at this point. Yeah, yeah, and I don't I don't really want to keep. I I feel like we're almost at that point where we're talking in circles about this, but like we we definitely are. Yeah, I just I I like the visual aid that's with this. It's it's in the video version. If you're watching the video, uh, you can see it. It's been here the whole time. It's just it's just a really cool image of Zavala in the darkness, and like it it might tell a different story than what people might be expecting. So man, this, this lore, this lore was so touching. I feel like though, too, like just seeing their friendship, how long they've been friends. And it's just, I don't know, man. It's, it's a good one. This, this is definitely good. I really, really, really love what we saw here this week, what we were given. Um, and I would expect a few more of these to be dropped between now and the time that uh, Beyond Light comes out. Mm-hmm. Originally, I was going to save each of these as they dropped and just discuss them at the end, but they're simply too consequential for us to just let sit there. Yeah. Uh, so we do have a couple more topics that we want to get to before Beyond Light comes out. Uh, the two main ones, of course, well, we've talked about The Stranger already. Um and we've talked about Eris's history uh, up to this point. The main one, I really guess, that we need to get to and that we want to get to is the Drifter. Mm-hmm. Um, so if nothing else, the Drifter and Saint-14, uh, since he was so consequential to this past year, will be covered uh, at some point. We may just have to have some extra long lore corners. Maybe we'll um, double up we on lore corners in a couple of weeks. Uh, we very well may if, uh, if they keep dropping meaty bits like this uh, we could mm-hmm. easily do one of these with one of those but uh mm-hmm. this week with this and interference we uh we wanted to give proper time to both of those yeah uh instead of rushing through them so uh with things like this we want to try and read it in context as much as possible yeah yeah i mean it th- this type of stuff like we have talked about doing some lore stuff like of stuff that happened in destiny's past or you know maybe mm-hmm. circling but like like you said with, with this close to an expansion the story stuff is so relevant and timely that like, I mean, you even suggested like, cause I haven't played the interference mission yet. I'm, I'm working on the, I played a little bit before I got on uh, here to record. I'm trying to get the <laughs> stupid means to an end uh, part of the quest. And it's just like, oh, it's so stupid. Mm-hmm. I just want to get to the interference part. 
but uh, even that was like, I was like, no, we need to talk about this. This is too important to talk about. So, yeah, man, a lot of, a lot of juicy lore bits, juicy lore bits. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that about does it for this week, though. Um, we're, we're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, nothing, nothing else, uh, nothing else to hit on. Nothing else to, uh, no sandwich talk this week. I didn't need a sandwich this week. No sandwich talk this week. Uh, there is, there is one quick note of housekeeping, uh, destiny housekeeping. That is, uh, they did announce and clarify tonight that destiny servers will be brought offline at 7 PM Pacific time on November 9th to prepare for beyond light and beyond light. I presumably that's when the download will be made of be made available to everybody. Cause we have to redownload the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on November 10th at the time that the weekly reset would normally occur. Uh, so at uh, 9am Pacific time beyond light will go live, uh, which is sooner than it normally does. Typically this doesn't happen until uh, a couple hours into the afternoon. Uh, because they take it offline in the morning, do the patchwork, and then release it to us. Uh, it's pretty clear this is because we have to redownload the whole game. That's why they're yanking it offline. But also, um, probably wanting to make sure their ducks are in a row for Series X and Series S launches on Tuesday as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Destiny has essentially become the de facto flagship launch game for them. Yeah. So we're uh, Corey and I are both intensely curious. We we talked about it at the uh, top of the show uh, about game pass and whatnot just how insane it is this is still a part of it yeah. reminder beyond light will be a part of that um the only thing the only thing trying the only thing that you'll have to pay for essentially is the season passes like the ten dollar seasons right i mean yeah with game pass so yep. and like whatever cosmetics obviously yeah unless you want those juicy looking cosmetics um juicy cosmos juicy cosmos um and we did not get to it this week, but next week I promise we will talk about Festival of the Lost. Um, I want to play a little bit more of the event, especially with the buffed drop rate of the uh, ciphers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to play a little bit more with that before I give my full thoughts. Uh, but my initial thoughts of Festival of the Cost. Yes, it's no longer Festival of the Lost. It's Festival of the Cost. Not good. Not not liking it. Not liking it. <laughs> Their journalist was pretty uh, heated today on Twitter. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, so he, he and I, I, I guess we'll address this real quickly before we get out of here. He and I talked about this a little bit earlier, um, and we talked about it a couple days ago. Basically just said, like, this was a huge bummer to us. Um, I talked about it with A1 Johnny as well. And all of us were pretty much in agreement that this, we were looking forward to getting back into the game now and really, like, not going hard, but, like, ramping up the grind in preparation, finishing any last-minute things we wanted to do before Beyond Light, mm-hmm. uh, grind out some stuff in the event, get some random rolls on these guns that we really like, get the special cosmetics, the the spooky ghost shell, the ship and the sparrow, even though they're just reskinned basic stuff. Get those, have a good time with the friends. I played for five hours on Tuesday, and me, me and a buddy of mine played for five hours, between the two of us, we had three ciphers drop total in five hours of playing. We did three Nightfalls, two Vanguard Strikes, uh, four Crucible matches, and three Gambit matches, in addition to the entire quest line we had to do for Interference. So we did the two Contact Public events, we did multiple runs of the Menagerie, and we did the actual Interference mission itself, and nothing. 
we we got three between its two of us. Nice. Um, so, so that drop rate being addressed today is a big deal. Um, I've seen that people are saying they're getting about five or six an hour now, which is frankly how it should be. Yeah. Um, I haven't tested it out myself yet because I'm frankly still upset about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I will give it a shot this week, and I want to talk about Festival of the Lost next week. Uh, but yeah, he... Nerd Generalist was not happy about it. Johnny was not happy about it. I'm not happy about it. This is the fourth year that you've done this event. Why did you have to go and make it needlessly more complicated? Just let me open up the one chest. That let me open up like multiple chests at the end. Put like two or three down there just for kicks and giggles. Like, don't make me go hunt these stupid ciphers down. Yeah. Like, th- this is dumb, especially if you make a big deal of, oh, you can only hold 25, and then you make it literally impossible to get more than like two or three in an entire day. Um, it's just it's it's just not worth it at a certain point. Right. So uh, I'll play with the refresh drop rate, see if it's any better. Uh, but still, I feel the same way about this that I usually do about Festival of the Lost. I love the decorations. I like the cosmetics. I hate the Haunted Forest. Yeah, I'm also so, glad that I get to wear the uh, Cryptarch mask around and run strikes with that, too. Because that's, a, that's uh, the I am wearing the I'm wearing the Aldrin mask, personally. Mm. Mm. Uh, Screaming Aldrin is the one that I always rock for this. Yeah, I'll, uh, I mean, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play a lot this weekend because uh, I'm gonna do the interference thing, and I'm gonna do some festival stuff. Mitch and I have a destiny date tomorrow night to uh, mm-hmm. run the interference stuff, and then the uh, uh, you know some of this festival stuff because we want to get some of them sweet masks. But uh, I'm not really looking forward to it. I'm not gonna lie. Just yeah, I mean, like <laughs> I have enough. I almost have enough chocolate strange coins to buy probably two thirds of the masks on sale this season. There are a couple that are Eververse only, and that really bums me out because one of them is uh, the spider. Um, and I really want his mask. I just don't want to pay actual. I don't want to pay twelve hundred bright dust or three hundred silver for it. Yeah. Um, but I have a feeling I'm going to cave just because it's spider, and I really want that mask. I think it's this is all just really goofy fun to me. Spiders are cool. I, I, I like because like the beginning of that quest makes you go to the the tangled shore and talk to Spider. And uh, man, just walking in that room again, seeing him sitting there in this like kind of floating throne is like man, he looks he's cool. I want a statue. I want a spider statue now. <laughs> like I, I, I want him in the chair, Bungie. I'll pay for it. <laughs> I, I tweeted at Numskull and at Bungie, and I was like, "Hey, you know that sweet stranger statue? I will take one of every character in Destiny Universe. Thanks." <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So, man, yeah, I want that. I want a spider statue of him just chilling in his chair. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So. Uh, but we're going to wrap it up. I think, uh, Josh, thank you as always for joining me here on tower casuals. Remember everybody, you can catch us live on Thursday nights on twitch.tv slash Bosch rush games live. You can check out all of our shows. Uh, you can hang out with Josh and I, as well as Jesse and Joe, AKA Colonel panic on Arsenal X every Sunday night here as well. Uh, you can check out all of our content on BossRushGames.com. We have some live shows most nights of the week, so you can, you know, check back. There's a schedule on Twitch now. I finally a did lot that. Of them. <laughs> yeah. Finally did that Twitch schedule, so you can check that out on our Twitch channel. Uh so Josh, where can we find you? Uh as always, you can find me on Twitter at, at Josh underscore Finn. Finn with two N's. And you can follow me again for the constant paranoia that my Series X is going to get cancelled or that my card will get overcharged somehow. 
and also, you know, just uh, my general next-gen gripes. Yeah. I have a lot of them as we get closer. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, yeah. You can find me at I am Corey HD on Twitter. Uh, you can catch me on Arsenal X, Nintendo Power Block, various other things here on Boss Rush Games. Please like, subscribe, share, rate, and re- review wherever you consume this show. Rating on Apple Podcasts really helps with discoverability. Moving up, you type in Destiny Podcasts, check us out. Just give us some five stars. Anything less than five stars, you know, you know, just give us some five stars. Be nice. So, five stars. Five star audience. Let's go. Yes. So, uh, thank you guys so much for watching, and until next time, we love you.